This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, Raider Nation, welcome back to Raiders Fan Radio. A man that was picked 16th overall in the 1984 NFL uh, draft. He was uh, went on to a fine career with the Bengals, the Chiefs, and the Raiders, of course, uh, where we got to know him. Uh, and then he went on to a very successful acting career post his playing days, starring in big-time movies with, with Clint Eastwood and numerous other uh, big-time Hollywood productions. Also does, has, has continued on through his acting career to this day. He's also a, a renowned fitness trainer and just an overall advocate for health and wellness always enjoy our annual checkup with uh, the legendary pete cott welcome to raiders fan radio once again pete hey merv i love that introduction it's very kind and uh it's good to be with you good to talk to you talk with you again well it's always always good to catch up with you and you always provide us with such an awesome insight, not only as a, as a former player in the NFL, uh, but being part of the Raiders organization, of course, from a coaching perspective, and then, and then always the, um, the, the health and wellness advice that you have to offer up to Raider Nation is always so very, very well received. And so we really always enjoy uh, getting a chance to talk to you. So let, let's start off with this. You know, as I mentioned, you've got this prolific acting career. I swear, every time I turn on the TV, including this morning watching NFL Network, <laughs> You had a commercial on there. Yeah. Hey, listen, they, they, they pay the bills too. And uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a couple of nationwide uh, commercials. I don't mind mentioning uh, the ones for Mercury insurance. And another one is for uh, a real estate tech company called homelight.com. And um, you know, it's part of the, it's part of the business, you know, the, uh, the, the, I always, if for people that aren't really sort of, familiar with the the nuts and bolts of, of you know how an actor's career goes along i can i can i can i can boil it down to this to say there's the group of cat the, the, that category of people that are familiar faces to us and these are your your actors that are working all the time and i would even you know and and put them into two categories one of the recognizable names the stars oh there's matt damon you know and there's julia roberts and and, uh, and and you know the and it's the, that that goes from tel, uh, not only feature films but television, and these are the folks you, you get to know, and you think, oh, that's that's really what acting is about. Then there's the second category of, of actors that are working all the time. You don't know their name, but you see them all the time or from time to time, and uh, I think uh, that's your your sort of uh, working man. That category, if I put those two groups together, is uh, makes up. Less than one percent of all the professional actors in in Hollywood, New York, and around the country. By professional, I would say you're a uh, a member in good standing of the Screen Actors Guild. Because if you're not even in the Screen Actors Guild, you could be an actor, but you're probably doing uh, some some community playhouse stuff, or you know, just uh, trying to break in, but you really haven't probably accomplished you know anything that would pay you money. And um, and then and then there's a whole strata of 
uh, actors trying to, you know, find their find their way. And uh, I've been sort of in and out of these categories uh, for 37 years. Wow. I've been a professional actor and had, yeah, I've been a member of the Screen Actors Guild and proud of that. And uh, in part of it, hey, like it's great it's fun to work, work on a TV show, but I get auditions for commercials, which are equally as competitive. And, uh, you know, when, when, when it's the right fit, you book it and you, you work on it it's um it's it's exciting it's every bit as challenging as is is working on a film so there are, there you go that's awesome it's great because we we've seen you you know like you said all these different national brands we've seen iphone commercials our favorite was the k jeweler one uh oh. around christmas time and my uncle mosh it was always he's so funny because he he called me up and he goes he goes i just saw pete he goes every cotch begins with k <laughs> <laughs> we got such a big kick out of that and seeing you in that one and so you're as you mentioned you've been doing this I, that's amazing 37 years now you've been acting and so you started back during your playing days right yeah i sure did and and uh and, and how that was able to uh really really happen at all uh, was uh, i'm from new york i'm from long island and when i was a uh, 16 17 years old uh my high school didn't really have much of a weight room at all it was just one old if, you're old enough to remember a, a, a multi-station a universal gym. Oh yeah, yeah. Which was silver and aluminum and some weight stacks and some rubber grips on the. But there wasn't much, you know. You could do some pull downs and some bench press. And it didn't it didn't have much. But there was a, a bodybuilding gym. In fact, I come to learn that it was a very hardcore bodybuilding gym in a town nearby, and I joined it. I, I just put some money together, got a part-time job. I joined a membership, got a membership to this place called Rab's Gym in, in Limbrook, uh, Limbrook, New York. And it, it, it was really part of what changed my life because I was, I was really skinny. I was weak, uh, but I had some things going for me as a football player and that I was tall and fast. And I had, a, I had the right, you know, sort of mental profile, uh, the contact, the the violence of the, of the game of football was something I was I was good with and so I knew I needed to get stronger I was encouraged by my uh, my coach who um, who played his college football at uh, the Naval Academy and uh, was the uh, played with Roger Staubach and uh, and, he, and so I went to this gym as much as I could and I got stronger and I met a guy there named Perry. He was about 10 years older than me and he was, he was stronger and, and older, became uh, not only like a friend, but like a big brother. And, um, and it turns out that he was an actor and he was pursuing his acting in New York city. He was a professional actor, but, but not, you know, working his way up towards bigger and better roles, making commercials, doing uh, off Broadway plays. We stayed in touch all these years. And when I finished at, uh, my college ball at Maryland and then uh got drafted and played my first season with the Bengals. And I said, I don't want to live in Cincinnati year round. And, and I, um, and I wasn't sure what to do. And I was trying to f kind of figure out some, what, 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 what was going to be the plan for me uh, in the off season. And my buddy Perry says, Hey, as it happens, I'm moving to LA to pursue my dream. I, I don't, I want to be in the big pond. I want to be in Hollywood. And he goes, come out and visit me. And he moved to LA and he got a, a part-time or a full-time job as a personal trainer and uh worked out it was great because he and i could work out together all the time and uh he's and he was he said you know what if you want to get into this acting business and i think you'd do great then i, I can help you i just i, I and I, I i took that took that chance and so that became a, a pattern where i would and then i got traded or i got cut and picked up actually by the the chiefs and that became a, a pattern year after year after year i would finish the football season and i would go to la and I would reconnect with my buddy Perry, and then I, I built a friendship and network, and I got an agent. I got into an acting class, and, and I was on my way. So was it when you went to the Raiders then, uh, I believe that was the 89 season, was that coincidental that the Raiders were in L.A., or was that a strategic move for you? Yeah, so at that point in my career, you know, these, these things, you know, I, I realized that, you know, most fans, the way they look at 
uh, their favorite players, teams and players, you know, in the NFL is they, you know, they, they, we, and we are, I'm no different as a fan is we gravitate, we get to know the players that have very long careers and uh, it's, it's helpful if they stay at one team for a long time, because you, you, you begin to get really familiar with that player wearing that helmet and, uh, and players that are free of, of, of many injuries because injuries just will, will shorten your career. I guarantee it. And I, I got into that injury loop well, with the chiefs. I had uh, three surgeries, three orthopedic surgeries in the span of uh, 18 months, missed an entire season and a half. And I was let go. And so at that point, I think I, I, you know, I was perceived as having, you know, limited value. And I talked to just a handful of teams that showed an interest in me. One of them was the Raiders. And I had the, uh, got a phone call to meet with, and that was LA Raiders at the time. And I got a call from, uh, you know, Al Davis's um, director of pro player personnel. And he said, uh, Mr. Davis would like to meet with you. We understand you're a free agent and, and discuss things. Well, here I am living in LA and all I had to do was drive 15 minutes over yeah. to the Raiders facility. And that was great. And met, met with uh, coach Davis and we had a good talk and he said, you know, we it, do you think you've got anything left in your career? You hadn't played in almost two years. And I said, I'm, I'm aware I haven't played in a long time. I think I'm in great shape. I'm going to get in even better shape. And yeah, I've got something left. And he goes, you know, we're, I'm just wondering and I'm thinking like you could help us out and back up Howie Long and, and, and you know, just be an asset to our team. Just be a guy that we can put in the game in short yardage and be disruptive and help us. And I said, I'm your man. And I, you know, I hope you can believe in me. And I signed a contract that day right there. Uh, and that was my opportunity. But I still had to go to train camp and make the team. And it was an incredibly stacked group of uh, defensive linemen, which leads me to, um, I think it's, it's, it's reminiscent of, you know, the 2021 Raiders. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at their right in front of me right now screen and that there's their defensive line group and when i look at that and that, that's the position i played and that's what i that what that's what resonates with me i know that the raiders were you know this i think their performance defensively last year was disappointing and they understand that you have to be an elite defense to really be competitive as the season goes on you, you can't just rely on on big plays on your offense and and they, the Raiders in the offseason of taking great strides to fill their roster, particularly on the defensive line, offensive line too, but on the defensive line, there's a bunch of new faces. And it's going to be exciting because they know it's no secret that the Raiders need more production in terms of uh, not only, you know, hitting the quarterback. Uh, and and this, besides sacking the quarterback is great. Don't get me wrong. It's great. But, but hitting the quarterback, batting down passes, being general, making the port- quarterback move out of the pocket is incredibly important. And it needs to be uh, and a, a, a good defense has an identity that causes that kind of disruption on a regular basis. And when if, anybody, if you watch the Super Bowl last year, boy, that was a really good Kansas City Chiefs team. And that was absolutely unable to to um well i could look at it this way they were unable to slow down the defensive you know front seven attack of of the tampa bay buccaneers or put another way the tampa bay buccaneers front seven group front four group is and and showed that they were so dominating that they could take that they could take the uh and it didn't matter that it, it absolutely neutralized such a dynamic quarterback as Patrick Mahomes absolutely neutralized him. And it, it, it's a message that, you know, everybody in the NFL is aware of that. If you can create heat and disruption well, with your, with your front four guys, you know, the, the guys right behind them, the, the guys that may blitz, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother game. There's a risk reward thing there, but, but your your front four guys, just go. The ball is snapped. Pin your ears back. Go and get the quarterback. Be disruptive. And if you can do that, um, you're going to win a whole bunch of football games. And I know that the Raiders have made a commitment to find those four guys 
and then and then you know three backups and they've got that means they got about five of these guys that are in training camp right now are going to get cut because they are loaded and stacked with guys and um this is a game this is uh, I'll summarize this this is an important term for people that really understand how training camp works and guys to make the final roster and then who makes the starting lineup it's a meritocracy it's purely merit you got to do it in training camp you've got to get up every single day and, and then have a great practice and have a great scrimmage have excellent preseason games and then repeat that behavior. It's a meritocracy. Every, every single practice and every single game is graded. You get a score from your coach every single time. Believe you me, there's pressure on that. And there's no, there's very little let left to uh, somebody's subjective opinion. It is what you can do and how you can perform. You mentioned that you played on that, on that line with the Raiders. You, you played along with Howie Long. Greg Townsend's on that line. Raiders all-time sack leader. Like you, you guys were stacked on that and that and that front four of that defense. Um, as much as the game has changed over the years, does it is are the principles of defensive line, defensive end, are, are is is that still pretty much the same? Because you mentioned like even though is the, the the league is geared towards being so offensive versus what it was uh, in, in previous incarnations of it. But still, like you mentioned, if you still you get pressure on a quarterback, even somebody as elite as Patrick Mahomes, you can neutralize him. So has that position evolved at all, or is it still pretty much a lot of the, the basics and, 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 and same principles when you were playing? You know, I think, I think, I think it's fair to say that the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the principles are intact, although, you know, it was Bruce Lee who said this, right? He said, uh, you know, uh, um, methods are many, but principles are few. And uh, so the, the principles are the same. You know, there's going to be more times than not, there's going to be four guys put their hand on the ground. It could be three guys. It could be even two sometimes. So there's a little more to that. But that's a matter of... Um, how many, but, but when, when they say, when, you know, the ball is snapped uh, and it's a passing down or a likely passing situation, there'll be anywhere between, you know, four and five, almost every time it's between four and five guys rushing the passer, uh, sort of some sort of a prevent situation or something. You, it'll be three guys, but that, 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 that doesn't work very well typically. But so it's going to be, so your standard rush for most every team is going to be four guys. And you can do that with start that could start out with four guys with their hand on the ground or three guys with their hand on on the ground and that um, that rush they call you know the, the, when I played the, the term um, uh, um, edge guy you know or edge edge rusher that that's a that's a more modern term than when I played but but Greg Townsend to your point great point all time Raider sack leader was. Uh, if he were to go in the NFL draft today, they would say they wouldn't say this guy's a defensive end. We called him a defensive end, but but they'd say this guy's an edge rusher. And he was a prototype edge rusher, which was u- utilized. Uh, we called him in in uh, in diagramming plays on defense uh, back then. Uh, uh, for example, Howie Long. Howie Long played all the positions across the front at different times in his career. And that's one of the, the reasons, uh, and I think it's it's not a, as articulated as it could be. He was great at every position. He could play over the center in what we call a zero technique, you know, a true nose guard, which he didn't spend a lot of time there, but he could play that effectively. He could play a defensive end in a 3-4, in a which is three guys with their hand on the ground and four linebackers behind him. Or he could play a defensive end or a d- defensive tackle, and he did in a four-three, right? And uh, style defense. And then when I got to the Raiders, we played an under. De- I don't want to get too technical here, but we played an under defense, and that's where it, it's lopsided. The guys aren't lined up uh, in a, in sort of a regular formation, but we had uh, you know four guys with their hand on the ground, and, and the edge the, re- the uh, edge rusher was Greg Townsend. Um, that's probably the only position that Howie didn't 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 play. But he Howie's very versatile. Greg less versatile, but absolutely incredible at rushing the passer. So what do you do with with uh, the best pass rusher you have on a team? You put him in a position where he can create um, 
you know, the most advantage for the defense and, 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 and put the, uh, the guys on offense, that offensive line group, and including the running back who might have to assist in blocking, you know, that, that your most uh, dangerous rusher on the defense. And, and we put him in a position to succeed. And Greg did a great job at that. And that's, that's very much the same matter of business that most every NFL team, the Raiders were one of the early adopters to that, type of a defensive rush uh the nfl everybody's doing it now so so that's why we see these designated um edge rushers in the nfl draft and how the good ones are really prioritized and the raiders have been making strides to I, I, in my judgment to fill that position with the guy that they absolutely love that can be eminently productive and that means you know in my judgment that means that in you know a six, we're going to play 17 games this year but in, in, yeah. a, in a typical 16 uh, game season that somebody that can pr- produce uh, i would say a minimum of 12 that you have an expectation that they can produce a minimum of 12 sacks and a whole bunch of hits on the quarterback and then probably a bunch of batted passes uh, when i was with the kansas city chiefs our guy that um, wasn't a pure edge rusher, but the, uh, our guy that was incredibly effective, our best pass rush was a guy named Art Still, who was much more of a, a traditional defensive end. And this is where this, the game is a little bit different. Art was 6'8", 265 pounds, and wow. there's very few real tall defensive ends anymore. And, and Art was not only a great pass rusher, I think he should be in a Hall of Fame myself, but um, he just didn't get the notoriety because the Chiefs had very few w- winning seasons back then. Um, so he played in, in an- anonymity. Um, and as before the Chiefs, were, they just weren't very good at the time. And But Art, as good as he was, he I think he averaged there for a while. He averaged um, 14 sacks per season. But better than that, he led the team in tackles, led the team in tackles as a defensive end wow. six years in a row. And he was just a unblockable, unblockable. Uh, and, uh, and, and I just marveled at it. And then when I, then when I ended up playing with the Raiders, it was an interesting comparison because back then uh, the two defensive ends, it was three defensive ends that would always go to the pro bowl uh, from the AFC. And it was always the, you know, for about eight years, it was a very predictable group of guys. It was Howie Long, Art Still, and then um, uh, Bruce Smith, Buffalo Bills. Oh, okay, right. And yeah, those were the those were the three, the three very best. And um, uh, and uh, so the, the Raiders are looking to to really solidify that position. You know, I was impressed. I thought he got out to a great start last season. Um, uh, when I'm thinking of uh, uh, Max Crosby, and and. Um, I, he's got. I think he's got. Incre- he reminds me um, of you know sort of a hybrid between Art Still and 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 Howie Long potential wise. Certainly not the. He's he, you know, I'm not sure he's. I'm not sure he plays the run as well at all. But 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 I I, I see such uh, suddenness and a great motor and and a and a, and a will and a drive, and I I you know I I've got a. Um, I'm hopeful that this is going to be the season where he takes it to the next level. Part of what the Raiders are looking for, a youth movement on the defensive line where they can create an impact. Uh, again, I'm repeating myself, but that was that really, was really highlighted against the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes. It was highlighted uh, by the Tampa Bay defensive group in the Super Bowl last year. So the Raiders, in my judgment, are – and, and and it's not just their, it's not a, a wish and a hope. I've seen them make the, the moves in the off season uh, to 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 improve their pass rush. They knew it was important, and then they've uh, obviously they they've uh, shored things up on the offensive line. And you know that that to me is is where the Raiders have made the move, and it'd be very interesting to see if they they can get that to gel, you know, and, and really uh, make an impact. 
Yeah, we're excited for the for the defense. You know, adding uh, Yannick Ngakwe play on the other end uh, mm-hmm. opposite Max. I mean, that's going to be you know. And then of course, like you you mentioned, we made a lot of other free agent additions to the interior of the offensive line. Most recently, Gerald McCoy. Um, mm-hmm. Talent wise, the Raiders are looking really solid. They even and then of course made the big coaching change um, on defense, switching from Paul Gunther to uh, to Gus Bradley. One of the things that that we learned from you in past conversations were about the importance of coordinators and position coaches to a player's career and a player's uh, impact and effectiveness. Um, mm-hmm. And that where, you know, head coaches are great and not downplaying the significance of that role and the resp- nor the responsibility of it. But in terms of like one-on-one coaching, um, those position uh, coaches and coordinators have a much uh, higher degree of impact one of the things that we heard it was a criticism of Paul Gunther was the lack of communication that that the players were uh, they, they didn't know what their you know what position to be in or where where to be at on the field um, they weren't talking and communicating well on the field during the plays speak a little bit about that because one of the things that we hear about Bradley and what he's doing different is that he's simplifying it his theory is make it simple keep it easy and that way you can just play at, at full speed and not overthink it and help us understand that as fans what as a player on the field what does that what does that mean that that freedom to just act or freedom to just play and and not overthink and being able to communicate and all of that when i first got to the nfl and i think this is an experience that really every every rookie that goes through a training camp uh can appreciate it doesn't matter how uh, sophisticated or not, that the the college program that you you came from. Hell, I went to the University of Maryland that was playing a, 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 a quite honestly much stronger a brand of football uh, when I was there. We were we were consistently rocked uh, um, named in the top you know twenty five teams in the nation. Not the case anymore, but we were playing at a sophisticated level. Our head coach was Bobby Ross, who later coached the uh, Detroit Lions and the. The, took the uh, the Chargers to the their only Super Bowl appearance, and uh, so it was pretty good, pretty good, pretty sophisticated. And uh, then you get to the NFL, and you're like, "Wow, this is play playbook way bigger, the sophistication in the meetings way better, the uh, the what they call the installation of new uh, offense." They'd say we're installing, you know, uh, the, a new package of or grouping of run plays. Or, or pass plays or short yardage plays. They're all categorized, very organized way. This was, it's all on iPads for these guys now, but back then, same stuff, same diagrams. It was just put on paper into a notebook. And on defense, we had bl- we had blitz packages and short yardage uh, packages of, 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 uh, of plays, right? So, so every time, you know, you get in a huddle, somebody's going to call a play, say something, whether you're on offense or defense, same thing. So you need to know there's an order of operations you need to go through. So you're listening and you say, okay, that information, uh, you know, what is it that John Gruden made it famous? Uh, was a 72 Y banana, you know, whatever. Oh, the sp- spider two Y banana. Yeah. Spider two Y banana. Right. And these players, these, these plays do have funny names sometimes. And I do that on purpose to keep it interesting for the players, but you're going to, that information, it's a little bit like code, a little bit like in for, um, computer code. It's going to tell you these things that here's what you need to do. Hey, where do I line up? You don't line up with this offensive line is different, but everybody else is lining up. Defensive linemen don't always, you could be lined up uh, head up on the tackle. You could be lined up on his outside shoulder. You could be lined up on in the gap between the tackle and, and the guard, right? So you're going to, you're going to learn that play will tell you where to, in my case, I'm talking as a defensive lineman, where to line up. And um, it's going to tell you, it might be a, might be having you run something directional, which is to say, it might be telling me to run to slant to the into the uh, inside gap. So it'll tell me to, uh, for for example, I'll line up head up, but if I'm gonna I'm gonna on the snap of the ball, I'm gonna blitz into that gap between uh, the gardener and the t- the gardener tackle. We'll call it the B gap. It's called the B gap. So it's gonna tell me, you know, dive into the B gap or or. Um, some, some, it's going to give me a behavior. Let's call that a behavior, a place to go, or it's going to be sit and read, you know, just read or just attack the gap or attack the shoulder. There's all these things you have to, you learn through coaching and understanding the situation, but the calling the play gets you on this, gets everybody on the same sheet of music. And if there's a blitz and if it's a linebacker blitz or a strong safety blitz, that's going to be included in the, in the language that we've been, 
that was called, you know, by the linebacker who told us what the play was. So we all have to be on the same sheet of music. Here's where I'm going with the story. When I was in, I'm not sure it would be polite to use his name, but, but, but the, you know, uh, my third year in the league, and I'm a starting right defensive end in a 3-4 defense. So we got three guys, three guys with their hand on the ground, and then four linebackers. And, the, and we had a starting right outside linebacker, the guy next to me. And that becomes a very strong relationship because we're, the linebackers often have to tell the defensive ends if there's an adjustment, there's some certain kind of emotion between, uh, let's say, these two running backs in the backfield and one of them goes in motion in your direction, the linebacker might have to peel off and, and, and cover him should he run down the field for a, a, pla- a pass route in the flat. And he might, and so my def- my linebacker on my side might have to uh, tell me something through a color or a number typically about uh, what to do. And, you know, what my, my, my uh, rush lane, my, my, an inside attack on the tackle or an out, it's too many details here, but that communication. And we had in 16 games previously, we had a, we had a good relationship and worked together, communicated well. Um, and we had a linebacker in the training camp that was a free agent from a tiny school, a Division II school in North Carolina. Well, okay, that's interesting. So he was fourth on a depth chart. The starting linebacker guy decides he wants a new contract and holds out of the Chiefs training camp. Okay, the guy that's his backup, uh, first week of practice, blows his knee out total gone for the year so the free agent rookie linebacker from this small college in elizabeth city college i remember from north carolina (laughs) is the starter now and, and and this isn't a disparaging thing he didn't even have a driver's license oh my gosh he he came he came from a lower middle class family he was a beautiful guy great guy it's got a great story but he, he he had to get he had a roommate once this, he made the team of it, you know, and, and, and the rest is history. He had to get a ride to work every day. He had a he lived in an apartment with another guy that had a driver's license and a car. So he didn't have didn't have a car, didn't know how to drive. And he was just a real small, real southern guy. He was and, and, and truthfully, he was not a sophisticated guy. He just wasn't, just wasn't in the gonna he wasn't gonna be a sophisticated guy from the 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 way he the way he grew up. And he's a starting outside linebacker in the NFL next to me. Now we have very complicated blitz schemes that he he and I have to he's gonna do all the talking. I just I'm listening. That's the way it works. Uh on edge, you know, that when when you're doing combinations, blitz combinations on the edge, what we call the edge. And so he's got to be in charge of all this stuff. It's too much. It's too much. And by the way, let me tell you something. He absolutely, this guy absolutely lit it up, lit it up in training camp. He was very, very impressive in the one-to-one pass rushing drills. He was, he was defeating tackles and, and making sacks and routinely. He was absolutely blowing everybody away. How in the world did he get so far off the radar that he was a, when nobody drafted him? So it was a blessing. He was great. He went on to have a nice season. So what the defense and where I'm going is what the defensive coordinator, uh, uh, Walt Corey, Walt Corey, uh, who, by the way, was a linebacker for the Chiefs and played in Super Bowl one, in which they lost to the the Chiefs lost to the Green Bay Packers. Walt was one of my heroes, one of my great mentors, and uh, fantastic. And, and at that point, he was smart enough to know, and for this linebacker, because you know that expression, and it's so true, analysis paralysis would see him out there trying to, his wheels were going in his head, do I make a, what do I do here, what do I say? No good. No, it's no good for anybody. So we really simplified the games that we were playing on the outside. He just lined up. I'm not saying that we dumbed the playbook down for him, but we just simplified things. And what did he do? He had an absolutely – he was in the running for the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. Oh, wow. He didn't – that they can get the work done. Don't don't paralyze this 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 individual. And it was a great, you know, story, 
you know, for me to see how that worked in, in my life. That's a, hopefully we'll, we'll look forward to that. You know, we heard some of the, from some of the other players, you know, Will Compton's a buddy of ours, a former linebacker for the Raiders. And he, he talked about that, the challenge of that communication. And so we're going to, we're going to trust that this with this new defense and this new defensive coordinator that the, 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 the players will just be able to just go out there and execute, just like the story, the story that you told there. When you take the thinking out of it and you're, they're just able to go, uh, yeah. then a lot of good things can happen, right? So that's, that's fantastic. Um, well, hey, I uh, want to be respectful of your time, but before we, uh, before we get going, I do want to ask you a little bit, first off, about uh, what you have going on. We want to hear about uh, anything you have going on outside uh, of the football arena and the acting arena, any, uh, any kind of uh, upcoming projects uh, that, uh, that you're working on. Yeah, acting wise, you know, I'm I'm pleased with uh, I've got a couple of commercials running right now, and a lot of people get to see that. I think that's 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 good for me and and uh, what I'm trying to, you know, uh, show people, you know, that that are, I think it's going to lead to to more and more work for me. So I'm happy there. Beyond that, I don't have anything that I can really talk about, but I'm 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 always, uh, you know, along with my representation, you know, looking for the next best. Uh, opportunity you know it's gonna good deal. It's take me in the right direction so I'm, I'm i'm good there i'm happy there the other couple of things that i do uh in my life is um really it, it's my daily passion is um let's talk about physical fitness well, i'm 59 years old and and we live in a in a country uh the greatest country on the planet in in, in my opinion and it does has so many great virtues and, and great individual people. However, 80% of the adult population of the United States is overweight, 80%. And that number hasn't even quite peaked yet. Uh, a decade ago, it wasn't a lot better, but it was about 75%. So it just keeps getting a little bit worse. COVID added to that problem. It, it it made people a bit more sedentary, maybe, you know, obviously stressed out, maybe eating a little bit more. So people are in a struggle there uh, along those lines. So I'm trying to do as much as I can do uh, to help, you know, to give back. It was Einstein who says, aspire not to be a man of wealth, but a man of value. So I came up this thing a few years ago called making you better 30 seconds at a time. I've been a fitness professional for longer than I care to say, 30 years and more. So what I decided to do was publish, and they usually come out two or three times a week, a video that you can watch in about 30 seconds. And I, I try to articulate a way to do an exercise or make a recommendation of a different way that you might want to try an exercise or maybe even a stretch or the importance of cardiovascular exercise. And I can do it in about 30 seconds. So if you follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn or Facebook, uh, Pete Koch, P-E-T-E-K-O-C-H. Um, I, I post a bunch of different things. I keep people up to date on my commercials and the things that I'm interested in in oh, football, okay. of course. But also, you can glean for free. I don't want your money uh, uh, 30 seconds at a time. If somebody says, you know, I could really – I need more, uh, more help with – coaching i don't do much one-to-one -one coaching anymore but i do it virtually i can do it uh and help people with programming and whether that's their physical fitness routine or their uh their nutrition yeah i can help you out that way professionally that's fine but i just wanted to make sure i was putting something out there that wouldn't cost you anything but that's you know adding some value to what i'm trying to do and help folks because i know it's a it's a big thing uh so that's my that's my my fitness side of thing i got the acting side of thing and I'm working with a, a group of guys develop, developing a piece of inexpensive at-home fitness equipment. I hope that comes out later this year. I, I can't talk about it right now, but I'm trying to to do as much as I can, as best as I can to help folks and to, you know, to be as healthy as they can. It's been a difficult year and a half for a whole bunch of us, and, uh, I, and it uh, – I'm just trying to make it a little bit easier. What would you say to the, you know, people joke about it, you know, putting on the COVID-19, you know, because you mentioned, you know, it was hard to, you know, the gyms were closed and, uh, you know, heck, even uh, we're, at, we're close to me. We had a, we have a state park with some great hiking trails, uh, but even that was closed for uh, a good part of, uh, of the pandemic. And so with, with, with a lot of folks facing, you know, not even just weight challenges, but health challenges coming out of, 
out of COVID, you know, it's easily to become discouraged and it's easily, you know, you can, it's easy to look in the mirror or whatever your metric is and, you know, feel down about a certain thing. What would you say to, to like initial source of motivation? Like what, what are some good, I don't want to call it easy because, you know, getting healthy and exercising, uh, it shouldn't be that easy, but what would you, what would you say to somebody to, uh, or, that's, that's potentially been struggling with that or, or looking to just kind of get it, get it going? What would that advice be? Yeah, no, I have to make one comment uh, that I'm, 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 I'm frustrated and not disappointed because my expectations about, you know, the, the, the government doing a lot of benefit to folks is, 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 is 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 very uh meager uh the fact of the matter is you know, lo- looking to the government to answer your problems is going to lead to despair and so we've had the government officials telling us for a long long time from for, at one point it was shelter in place and then it was wear a mask everywhere and all these things and uh that didn't really do a lot of good what here's what would have done good the messaging that i've been trying to get out there and help people imagine that somebody from the government said to you, it's it's more important now because, pep, uh, by the way, pandemics happen. We've had five pandemics, by the way, N1, H1, AIDS. These are, these are classified as medical pandemics. We've had five pandemics in my lifetime. This is, a, this is a tough one. They happen and they will happen. But if somebody had come out from the beginning, like I was saying, this particular virus and the way this p- pandemic is, is going, it's targeting Above all, it's targeting targeting people that are overweight and have type two diabetes, and those two things, by the way, are freaking frack. They travel together. Very few people get type two diabetes who are not overweight. It happens. It's extremely rare, and it's kind of unlucky. But we know that if you're overweight, and particularly as the years wear on, you're going to increase your the chance that you'll develop. You'll become. Uh, 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 insulin intolerant, and that you're going to develop type 2 diabetes, which is a very difficult disease. And it compromises your ability to be, frankly, healthy in a number of different ways. So what's happened is we, we, we had this particular pandemic hit us. It stinks. It's the way things go sometimes. And it targeted, unlike other pandemics, which uh, targeted certain populations, including children this one has really no effect on children but it has a massive effect on people who are overweight and then if you have other comorbidities including being over 65 or if you have heart disease or cancer or you're battling something like any kind of a a metabolic disease or or a lung disease like copd or emphysema it's really going to be tough on you and if we hadn't if we would have just uh, protected those people uh, voraciously at the beginning and then told everybody else it's never been it's always been important but never more important now to control your weight so let's do the things that you can do these are all doable things there's nobody who's overweight that can't that can't cure the problem it's 100 percent curable you could have an awful disease you could have God forbid I lost a friend a few years ago with uh, leukemia. He couldn't overcome it. He just he had the best doctors. He was a healthy guy. He was a workout guy. He was a professional athlete. Couldn't overcome it. But this is one, being overweight is something we can all overcome. What are, what are the typical ways that we would address this condition, which 80% of Americans have, is we do it through diet and exercise. Is it easy? No. It's easier for some people than others. But everybody is capable of losing weight, you know, so it's putting its best practices. We want to I'm going to simplify it and it and it gets more complex because I want to say you need to, to, you know, limit the number of calories you're consuming and you need to move your body more so that you're burning more calories. Easier said than done. But once you break it down a little bit further and you say, let's let's talk, what kind of food should I eliminate? Should I eliminate protein? No, you eat more protein. Be uh, careful about how many simple carbohydrates, that's the sugary stuff that you're consuming. They have a more sinister effect effect on your metabolism when you consume them. Science, not my opinion on anything, but this has been validated. What about exercise? What are the best practices, best choices for me when it comes to exercise? What Should I do Pilates? Should I do weight training? Should I do CrossFit? Should I do what should I do? Well, it's a good question. I don't have the time to answer it all here. 
but I suggest that you investigate that, get with a professional, watch me and the things that I'm talking about. And then if you can get with a professional or join a group, group is very powerful. Why do football players act as a team? I learned lots of team lessons when I played football, taught me many things in life, including the value, the great value of working with a team. It makes you work harder. It gives you camaraderie. It, it, it sort of spreads out the suffering because it is hard work. Go to a gym. I, I go to the gym uh, for, for two reasons. The two main reasons I go to the gym is, number one, because it makes my head feel good to exercise. I battle with anxiety and depression, and the best-known remedy this comes straight out of the medical textbooks is exercise. And I can, I can say that from the front that it's changed my life and allowed me to, to be as normally feeling as, as possible, just such a word, but to kind of feel better about myself is to exercise. The second thing is to connect with other people. That's my tribe. That's my community. I enjoy the people I've met at the gym. It's a big part of my life. And that's important to how we feel anyway. Notice why I didn't say I do it for my muscles. But I do. I want to look better in a T-shirt. That's part of it. I want to make sure that I don't get overweight. I want to make sure that I'm as strong as I could be should I get uh, a virus of any type that I could – or disease or a metabolic disease of any type. That I'm positioning myself to best recover from that. I'm almost 60. I get no guarantees in this world. But I want to put myself as I did with an athlete. I do as a human being to put myself in the best position for success. Wow. That is incredible advice. And we, you know, anybody that's, that's seen you recently, uh, as John Gruden told you uh, at a couple of alumni weekends ago, you look like you could still play. And absolutely. That's the truth. And one of the, one of my favorite things you've ever said to us that, that I was able to glean from you was, you know, when you're 90 years old and you can't get up off the toilet, you're not going to wish you had done more cardio. You're going to want to nope. be strong. And it's, and that idea of, of being strong and, and yes, the cosmetic reasons of looking better in a t-shirt. Absolutely. But the functional strength is so, I think, often overlooked when we start talking in terms of diet and exercise. Don't you think? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think, um, unfortunately, and it's, it's understandably, there's a lot of folks get to middle age and they, they don't understand. Uh, they, they have a very unsophisticated outlook on terms of exercise. And they, they were just, they never got that education uh, by by default, because I was an athlete, because my father signed me up, he's, you know, I was very young, you know, six years old. And he says, hey, this is basketball. You're going to bounce this ball around, try to shoot it the hoop. And same thing with football and baseball. That was my three sports. You know, I look, I understand, you know, parents do this so that their kid does get exercise, so that their kid does hang around with other kids. Socialization. These are all good reasons. And by the way, these are also part of the devastating effects of locking everybody up during COVID. So kids are getting fatter as well as adults because they're not running around as much. I'm getting off topic, but not really. There's a good reason you want your kids to be involved in sports and learn how to work together and run up. You know, play is never going to work right. If you're not all understanding and going the right way so that the play works, the right people are blocking the right guys in the right direction so that the running back can get through the hole and accomplish something. So these, I got these lessons early on, and from there, personally, most guys don't. But I was a, when I got to college, I was, I was the guy hanging around with the strength and conditioning coach and saying, "How does this work? Like, you want us to improve our vertical jump so that you know a measurement of are we improving in the off season, which is very one a very important lesson that I learned. And I said, "How is it that if I put a heavy weight on a bar on my back?" and go up and down and up and down, you call it doing squats, right? How does that make my vertical jump higher? And, and he'd say, that's a great question. And, and it goes to the, the, the answer lies in understanding something about muscle physiology. Well, that got me going. And I loved it. And I loved getting into all that. And I've studied it over the years. Like I have a degree in liberal arts. I don't have a, a degree in exercise science. I, I kind of wish I did, but I didn't study that. But I'm like Avis, you know, the number two rental company. I try harder. <laughs> you know, I try to make up for it. So I'm reading and learning and can listen to podcasts with the great exercise scientists. And I've been doing that for, for more than three decades now, trying to learn. I've got a, I've got a substantial library of, of books on 
on uh, best practices of, of, of personal training and muscle physiology and these things. That's boring to most people, but it helps me to not only train myself better, but also take that valuable information and go and, 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 and prescribe best practices, whether it's some training, you know, a 32-year-old, uh, you know, uh, financial planner or a, a 72-year-old woman who's, you know, struggling with some arthritis. Well, the more information that I have about the best way to help these individuals, you know, the best result that I can help them achieve. That is fantastic, man. All, always such incredible insight and always such incredible advice. And, uh, and I love the discussion, Pete. Um, we can't thank you enough uh, uh, for joining us here in Raiders Fan Radio. Are you, got, are you going to get a chance to go to Vegas and go check out a game this year at all? You got any plans to do that? I've already bought uh, four seats for, uh, you know, listen, I, I, I played for the Raiders. I played for the Chiefs. And uh, the Chiefs are coming into Vegas the second week in November. And uh, I'm really excited. I, I'm going to try to get to a home game before that. We'll, we'll see. But I've already got these tickets bought, and I'm really excited. And and if the it, you know I'm optimistic and hopeful. I'm, look, I'm not even worried about the Chiefs. They they've got it. They got it rolling. Yeah, they they've got it. They're all set. Yeah. <laughs> but if the Raiders can, uh, this this training camp is so important. It's it's important that they they. Like to your point, they have a new uh, defensive coordinator, so it's a new playbook, it's new language, and they all have to get on the same sheet of music at the same time. They've got new, uh, some new bodies in there, and you know we want to get. The, I'm I'm concerned with that that you know that way that front four looks, and and I'm hopeful that it's going to be really dynamic. And, and Al Davis used to say this all the time: I need you to be disruptive, and uh, that Max Crosby goes to the next level. And uh, that's the expectation. If they do that, by the time they're two-thirds of the way into the season and they match up at a home game against the Chiefs, they could be, they could, this could be a playoff spot type of a game for the Raiders. A must oh, win. That could be huge. Well, we're the only ones that, uh, that beat Kansas City last year. So hopefully <laughs> we'll find that same result again this year. That, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. We'll definitely enjoy the game. And uh, we'll be in town for, for a handful of – uh, of games this year so if you get to another one uh, maybe we can link up at some point but uh, always appreciate the conversation always appreciate your time pete uh just always great to talk to you and thank you so very very much yeah thanks murph thanks for you and all you do and i know uh all this you know works towards the charities that you get involved with so uh appreciate you thanks for all you do absolutely absolutely all right my friend we will talk again soon thank you all right bye bye-bye For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.